Welcome back to another episode of the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. He's Antonio Rosetti. I'm Justin Stewart. We're coming from you from the Pittsburgh Media Hub here in downtown Pittsburgh. Just a reminder, you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just search the Rosetti and Stewart Podcast. Antonio, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it's been a good weekend so far. I watched the Penguins yesterday blow a, a 4-2 lead. Um, they outshot the Islanders by 14 shots and lost. Um, so, yeah, I just watched some hockey, watched Connor McDavid score his 100th point last night. Uh, but, yeah, that's about all that's going on with me. Um, got a new PR on bench at 280. If you guys don't believe me, I could post a video about it, et cetera. But uh, here's the thing. Uh, yeah, my weekend's been doing pretty good. How about you, Justin? Uh, pretty solid. You know, school, it is what it is, though. But work was pretty quick. I will give it that. So that's, that's always a plus when work, your shifts that work go pretty fast. So, you know, that, that was my week in a nutshell. You know, spring break's coming up for Point Park students here, so I will happily take a one week off from this school. No offense. But um, just jumping right – oh, you wanted to say something? Oh, no, no. I was just looking at you. Okay. Just making sure. But I guess we can just jump in. I don't – did you have any quick hitters for this week or not so much? Um, Quick hitters. Uh, Jabari Smith said he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Well, he's just joking. Yeah. yeah. He's not being serious. But, yeah. Uh, but other than that, um, just – Connor McDavid. So I have two since I talk hockey. No. Uh, Connor McDavid scored uh, his 100th point, and they still managed to blow a 4 1 lead to the Rangers last night. Um, yeah, but congratulations on the 100th point. That happened pretty quickly 56 games. Um, and then another quick hitter, big move. Ryan O'Reilly is getting traded to Toronto with Noel Achiari. Uh, Achiari. Achiari. And, uh, yeah, they're both going to Toronto for uh, a lot of picks in M- Mikhail Abramov and Goddard as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Blues get picks out of it, which is probably what they should have done because O'Reilly's not going to come back. So, hey, you got your picks out of it. But Toronto, great pickup. They needed that extra gritty player, that guy who could, you know, battle for the – for the tip-ins in front of the net and just has that presence on a team and in a locker room. Uh, was the captain for quite some time in St. Louis. So this is a good pickup for Toronto, a team that definitely needs another gritty player in the playoffs, someone who's feisty, who wins the, the small battles, you know, the board battles, whatever it may be, a good face-off player. Listen, he's not having a great year, but the team is just not good who, who he's on. Now you're going to put him on a team who has Austin Matthews, John Tavares, Mitch Marner, uh, William Nylander coming to his own this year. I mean, just a solid overall team. Even defense, you have Morgan Riley and Mark Giordano. So this is going to help a ton. That's my quick hitter this week, Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto. Question is, can they get out of the first round with this team? I believe so, but I have to see it with my own eyes. Fair enough, fair enough. I I also have two quick hitters this, this week too, so... My first one is on Derek Carr, so obviously the Raiders cut him earlier this week. And as far as I know, the Saints and Jets are the two most in- interested teams in his services so far. And I think he'd help both teams, but I think he'd be a better fit with the Jets because the Jets are younger. Um, they have more cap space, and I think they're just more talented, honestly. But besides the point, though, so I was on Twitter, and Jason Smith and Mike Harmon, they have a show on Fox Sports Radio. And this was, like, populated across my timeline. They thought that the Steelers should sign Derek Carr and get rid of Kenny Pickett. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, so the, I'll give you the quote exactly. So Jason Smith said, if the Steelers get Derek Carr, they're, they're playing deep into the playoffs. 
they can't go in the next season with Kenny Pickett. Carr is accurate, and the Steelers have two good running backs and playmakers. When things get a little tough in Pittsburgh, he'll still be okay because Mike Tomlin will have his back and everything will be all right. Pittsburgh is the place for Derek Carr. Mike Harmon, his partner. I don't know how quick they'll be, they'll be to want to turn the page on Pickett, but the reality is I don't value the talent. I value the organization and the stability that gets you to grind it out and always be the mix at 500. I think you're valuing their receivers higher than I do. Okay, so here's the problem with that. So, first of all, Derek Carr is going to be 32 this upcoming season. He posted the lowest QBR rating of his career this past season. His interception percentage was the highest of his career, and he's known for not turning the ball over. He threw the most interceptions of his career this past year, with Devontae Adams, by the way. And he had his lowest completion percentage since his rookie year. And uh, last but not least, he's the least amount of first down plays of his entire career as quarterback. So I say all that to tell you that the fact that you'd move on from Kenny Pickett after one year is absolutely the most ridiculous thing I've heard all year as far as sports. One more stat. Oh, what what is the stat? I forgot. Derek Carr is 0-1 against Kenny Pickett for his QB record. Uh, Yeah, that is true, too. That that is true. But listen, you know, I've, I've I've said my thing on Kenny Pickett, you know, I've been labeled a lot of things, my my analysis of him, but I, I would rather have him right down than Derek Carr. Derek Carr is on the downside of his career. Kenny Pickett's only going to get better as, as we speak in the years coming. So, no, that, the, the, the fact that, first of all, the, your first sentence, the Steelers get Derek Carr, they're not going deep in the playoffs. What? Like, like they, they would, Kenny Pickett would probably would take them deeper, honestly, and that's that's not even like a an opinion. That's a fact, I think. Um, so... Kenny Pickett also was kind of clutch last year. Two games stand out in particular. You have the Ravens game, drove down the field with less than a minute left. And then you have the Raiders game on Christmas Eve where he scored, you know, through the touchdown of George Pickens with less than 40 seconds left. So um, Kenny Pickett's also going to be cheaper too, and he's like eight years younger. So, yeah, uh, I just don't understand the pick. I, I do understand the Pickett, Pickett like dislike. A lot of people, that's like their same, that's like their talking point. He has small hands, and there's just nothing special about him. Well, I mean, last time I checked, Tom, people said there was nothing really special about Tom Brady either. So, you know, it's just the whole, just because he's not the biggest arm in the world. And by the way, he does have a good arm. Um, just watch the tape at Pitt. Um, just because he doesn't run the fastest like Lamar Jackson, that doesn't mean he's a special player in his own right. He has his own intangibles. Uh, I think he'll be a good, very good leader. Guys around him and walk him, respect him, and he wants to get better. So that's really all I care about, and I really don't care about Derek Carr at this point. He's kind of washed. So thank you very much. Yeah, and, like, I, I agree with everything well. pretty much you said on that because, like, Kenny Pickett really did show in the second half of the season that he can't win football games. Well. And he's only getting – he's still younger. He's only going to get better at this well. point. So – and, you know, I'm saying that through an unbiased lens. And I do want to add, too, uh, if you watch Pitt from last year, he can throw the ball deep, Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. He's pro- he's proven it. I mean, he played in an air, air raid kind of offense with Mark Whipple. Meanwhile, the Steelers are going with this ground-and-pound stuff. And I just, like, I don't know. My friend and I were talking. If you look at the personnel, uh, yes, Najee is a great running back, but this team's personnel is not a run-first team. If you have George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Pratt Fryermuth, those are three solid options for years to come because they're all going to be under contract control. So here's the thing. that This team should not be doing that. I mean, look at some of the over-the-shoulder throws he's made to Addison. You have someone in George Pickens can do that. 
I mean, he found Claypool in that deep threat. George Peck Pickens can be a deep threat. He can go deep. And plus, if you get a wide receiver in the draft, oh, like, let's just say you snag a wide receiver like third or fourth round, for example, or even second round, like A.T. Perry wants to come to, uh, to the Steelers. So, like, if you get a, another receiver like A.T. Perry as well, like, they're going to be set in that position. But I just – and you also have Kelvin Austin too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, the, the, the team is loaded on wide receivers. And, and for some reason, I, I just feel like they, didn't, they don't take any risks. Like, there's some games, like – even the the game winning drives, Ravens, Raiders. I really believe that if they're not so conservative, that they could win those games by two scores. I feel like they had chance. They outplayed the, their opponent both games, and their defense shut down the Ravens and Raiders in both games. But it had to come down to a final last minute thing, and it was only be, and it really let's get real. It was only because Kenny Pickett got the really call his own plays instead that's really what it was because i don't know my i i brought this up last podcast i'm gonna bring it up again look at the red zone look at the red zone terrible red zone team with ben roethlisberger terrible red zone team with kenny pickett if you're if you're bad in the red zone with both of the i can I, I can understand one maybe one doesn't fit the style but it's both quarterbacks that's just telling to me and i don't know my friend and i were just talking like couldn't they have just tried to get someone else, like even Byron left, which is now out there, but I don't know. No, it's fair, and I, I agree with you. Like I said last podcast, um, the, the Steelers, they have, like, they have pieces. Like, people want to say, oh, they're, 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 they're like the 80s Steelers. No, they're not. Like, I, I disagree with that, that idea. Like, if you – their offensive line, you know, was a lot better last year than it was the year before. Um, you know, the receivers, you know, they're still young. They can definitely get better. Najee Harris had another a thousand yard rushing season. I mean, Pickett as a starter was seven and five, and that's that's twelve out of seventeen games. So if you imagine he was a a full starter in the other five games, not to mention he left the the Ravens game with a concussion and came in late against the Jets. That's two other games. So and those were both winnable games if he if he probably played you know the entire game. So you know I I think there's there he has talent. Like that's this idea that there's nothing special about him. I mean. There was other teams looking at him too. It wasn't just the Steelers. Like you had the Saints, Panthers. Like teams were interested in him, and like you know, it's just this is why you. you I want to. I'd rather have like known commodities. There, there's really no known commodity in the NFL, really. When you try to draft a player, but you know, looking back, I was so foolish to think that Malik Wills should be drafted. And you know, not to, not to say that he still can't be a good quarterback, but if you just watched him play last year, now I understand the Titans. I don't think there is a talent as the Steelers, but. He just looked like overwhelmed if you watched a lot of his games last year. And, you know, I think he can throw the ball, but the completion percentage wasn't there. The running ability was there, there though, of course. But, you know, Kenny Pickett is like miles ahead of every quarterback drafted last year. So, you know, I think you have to give, you have to give him another year. I mean, hell, you, have to, you, you do have to give him another year. He's a freaking first year. And, you know, this notion that we need to get off quarterbacks after one year because – they don't light up the stat sheet. That that's just uh, ridiculous to me, though. So, yeah, I mean, they clearly just didn't watch the games enough, though. And walk score watchers like to. Did you, they must have not watched they they must have been not watching the game on Christmas Eve then, honestly, because Derek, I I you could go back to our NFL preview from last from last year when we were projecting how the season was going out. 
I I was really I'm always high on Derek Carr. Oh, of course. And I I even said before the season I think this Raiders team is going to have a winning record, have a chance at you know a playoff position. Devontae Adams had a good year. Derek Carr did have a good year, good first half of the year. His second half of the season was not good at all. I mean that's part of the reason why they kind of benched him. And so like this is coming like I said this is coming from someone who. It actually really likes Derek Carr as a player. Thinks he's one of the more underrated quarterbacks. There's just no question you take Pickett out uh, out of those two. It's just it's silly. I mean, I think the only one you would even consider doing that for is maybe Lamar Jackson. But even him, he's hurt constantly lately. Past two years, he hasn't really been healthy towards the end of the year. But I, I one, one more thing I want to say about that. So like this wasn't me. Like this wasn't me teeing off on Derek Carr, the person, player. Like you said, I think he's been a really good quarterback. He's he's had to deal with a lot of nonsense with the Raiders from coaches to players, and the team they always didn't uh, not until recently they always didn't feel the best team around him too. So I, I kind of see a lot of similarities to his brother what he had to endure in Houston in the early two thousands. But I mean, yeah, if he if he lands on the Jets, I think he can do really well. I mean, he still has some left in the tank. That's not an issue. But it just last year just fell apart pretty badly. So. I do want to move on to my second quick hitter, though. So this one's going to be, be a lot more quicker. So Patrick Mahomes, I, I was doing the math because I was curious because, you know, the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl this past Sunday. And, you know, he as, of course, those those Gab Fest talk shows, oh, is he the good already? Where is he rank all the time? And, you know, for, quite frankly, I have no idea. A lot of people were saying he's on the same level as Joe Montana and Tom Brady right now, which, you know, two MVPs, two Super Bowls, you know, you have an argument, but I don't know if I'd go that, go that far yet. But I was I wanted to project out his stats long term. So the benchmark's probably Tom Brady. So I'm I projected out Mahomes stats for 23 years. And, you know, bear in mind that he's probably going to get hurt at some point. He's probably not going to throw for 5,000 yards, yards every year. But also, the offense, NFL offense has changed. So, also take that into consideration, though. So, this is like the absolute ceiling. So, he's projecting right now to throw for over 118,000 career passing yards, 943 touchdowns, 230 picks. That's like like through the roof. That's, that's his ceiling right now. So that that's goat status, well, no doubt. So median average, I just said if so, I used the average here, just four thousand passing yards for the rest of his career, a season. He would still finish if he stayed healthy, with over a hundred thousand passing yards, with eight hundred touchdown passes, and um, yeah. So like he's on that, he's on that, like that 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 tier. He's like on that track. But like the floor, I said just three thousand passing yards a season from here on out. He would still have 93,000 passing yards, 700 touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I don't need to say anymore. He really is that guy. I no, mean, he it, is. Just like, he, I'm not going to go ahead and say Mahomes and Brady yet because Mahomes get real. Tom Brady had seven championships, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't beat a 40-year-old Brady. I'm just being honest. No, but that's pa- fair. But Patrick Mahomes can get to the point where he could be up there. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be honest. He is that guy. I watched in the Super Bowl this year. Whenever he needed to make throws, he made the throws. I will say this about him against Brady. So the first game, they were tied, and the whole D4 thing happened. So, I, I you know, I, Brady did – at the end of the day, Brady did beat him. And then the Super Bowl one, I mean, we've talked about Mahomes had no offensive line. They were all banged up. But, I mean, I will say the Buccaneers, I thought they were the better team, though, that year. I, I will give you that. But I just wanted to throw that out there. But, I mean – just like even further, so like his record, 
So he's averaged uh, 13 wins and 13 losses his first five years, which is, like, insane if you think about it. So if I project that out, too, he's on pace for 300 career NFL wins, only 69 career NFL losses. Most guys have 100 if they play, like, a long time. His approximate value, so for pro football reference, it's like a measuring stick of how valuable are to your team. Just for uh, reference, Tom Brady, who many consider the GOAT, his is 326. If Mahomes plays for twenty like ten or uh, for a total of twenty three years, his would be four hundred twenty eight. <laughs> so I mean, award projections. So Mahomes, he's been a Pro Bowler every year. So if he played for twenty three years, he'd be a twenty three time Pro Bowler, nine league MVPs if you average out the years that he's won so far, and he'd have nine Super Bowls. If, if we pre- that's not gonna happen, but like just like on the track he is, and just like averaging out the numbers. That's like that's the kind of like resume he's had so far, and um, yeah, he's um, I don't like crowning guys goats, but like I, he's like if he wins next year again, it's gonna get hard, harder and harder to argue that he shouldn't be in that conversation. See, I here's the thing, like I don't know, I just need to see this. Th- in all honesty, he needs to win like four or five before I could talk to him with Brady. That's just my opinion. Well, I mean, like no, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he'll be the goat. Like mm-hmm. he still has a long ways to go, and quite frankly, I don't see him playing 23 years maybe we'll play like maybe 15 20 but mm-hmm. 23 you're talking like 45 years old and you know like i said like the, the medicine and the technology is there for guys to play well into their late 30s at a high level too which i, th- I think he can because he's but at the same time like injury that's always a factor and like i don't know we'll see and like the you know you don't know what the teams that look like around him ten years from now. It's not going to be the same team, obviously. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I I think right now he's the best in the game. That's not really a debate. I mean, if you want to, really the only guy that had, even has an argument maybe is Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. But after that, I would still take Mahomes anyway. But I just want to throw those those numbers out there. Pretty pretty astronomical if you ask me. And that was my quick hitters for the week. Yeah, and I do want to say one more thing about Go Brady ahead. though. It's like. He won a Super Bowl with like what was his face Edelman and Chris Hogan as your one and two. No, that is true. One's a quarter, but one was a quarterback in college, and the other one was a uh, lacrosse player. No, that's fair. So, but I, for Mahomes, like I can also argue that he lost his best receiver, and now mind you, he had Travis Kelsey, but Brady also had Gronkowski. So I mean, and I understand that Kansas City's receivers probably better still. Well, they have Ju- well Juju and MVS. Well, yeah, it, but like if you. But like they're not number one receivers though, they're they're good receivers. Neither are the Patriots ones. But they were also solid too. I mean, I know they had Brady. But, but Juju, see Juju outside of the team he was on was able to get a thousand yards receiving. But like, did it, Chris it, Hogan ever get a thousand? No, yards that is receiving? true. But at the same time, he had Antonio Brown and he was getting double team, so it, it afforded for him. And that's not taking away. But any he w- still almost had a thousand yards without Antonio. No, I understand that, but like, which the, is better than Hogan's best season, which is without Brady. Was no, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, but what I'm saying is like, Juju. Sorry, uh, Juju. By the time he was with the Steelers, towards the end, they weren't using him for a deep threat. He was more so a possession guy, you know, getting you five or six yards of play. And like, he's still a good receiver. Don't get me wrong. Like, he, he's going to be play for a long time, as far as I'm concerned, but. Antonio Brown, you know, you have 1,400 yards. Um, you know, Antonio Brown, you know, double team. He was getting double teamed, and Juju was all oftentimes facing the second and third best cornerback. So he, he it was he, and that's you know to his credit, he took advantage of that. He had a great year. 
But it's just like it just afforded him the opportunity to really shine. And we saw once he left, and I understand that Ben, you know, declined as well. That that definitely is a big factor too. Um, you know, the the production just wasn't there. And, you know, it's not taking anything away from him. He's still a very good receiver, but that that's just my opinion. I do want to add though, if you want to compare Travis Kelsey this year to the year they won with those two as their one and two with Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey this year might be one of the best. Well, I, I think Travis Kelsey's better than Gronk all the time, honestly. Yeah, me too. No, I agree with so, that. I, if you just break it down, Mahomes does have more, it, even if it's slightly. Uh, okay, and, I'll, and I'll, MVS, too. MVS. No, yeah, really yeah, yeah, he had a solid year. I mean, I just – I don't know. And let's I, talk about the running backs, too. No, they were they were good. You had, I mean, you had McKinnon and Pacheco. Pacheco, yeah. They were, no, they were, they were solid. Mm-hmm. No, everyone played their role well in Kansas City. Like, that's um, – I just think, you know, the whole – no, I I did. No, I will say I know the, there's the whole issue about oh well now all the all the people thought the Chiefs would suck last year. No one thought that, but like it was. I think if we go back to the podcast, we made our predictions. I, I think I had them regressing a little bit. I'm, I'll be honest with you, but I still thought they were a playoff team. As long as you have number fifteen as your quarterback, you're going to be in the mix every year. As long as he plays well, so I I I, I think we said the Chargers had a shot. Yeah, I probably said the Broncos, too. If I did, I'm an idiot. Here, here's the thing, though. I, I do have a bone to pick. Uh, I did say the Chiefs had a chance to win the Super Bowl, and I'm pretty sure every single person in America knew that the Chiefs had a, win, had a chance to win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm just – the only reason I'm saying that was because Travis Kelsey's just started rambling about how no one thought they were going to win. You guys have Patrick Mahomes and you, Travis Kelsey. So, I mean, like – I, I, good for you for having like fuel, fueling your own fire, but everyone knows that you're not, you're no underdog. Like the Chiefs are not an underdog. Everyone was rooting for the Eagles because they were the underdog because everyone considers Mahomes and Kelsey as far from the underdog. So I just didn't understand that. I was just kind of confused with about that, but I don't know how you feel. So uh, here's what I'll say. So I, I, I picked the Bills to win it. So I will give you that. But like at the same time though, I might have not picked Kansas City to win the Super Bowl this year. And even though I think Philly was favored against the Chiefs to win, most people, like, if you would tell them, oh, so if you say, if I said the Bills would win the Super Bowl, and obviously they didn't, and I, and if the Chiefs somehow won it, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, that, that, I think that's what I'm trying to say. Because people are like, oh, well, you, you picked the Bills to win, or, or they'll throw that back at you. But at the same time, I've always said this, and I'll say it till I'm, I, I die. As long as you have Patrick Mahomes, you have a chance, regardless of who I think is the better team. Uh, you know, the, the reality is he's the best quarterback in the game. So that's pretty much why I fall on it, though. And even last week, like when I said, oh, the Eagle, I th- I'm going to pick the Eagles, what did I say right after that? But they have Mahomes. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't, I'm just, I don't know. I was just confused on where he got that from. Because if you go on ESPN or you go anywhere, you're not going to be looking at no, Joe yeah. Burrow. You're not going to be looking at Lamar Jackson. You're going to be looking at. Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, well, one more thing I want to say about that though. I know you want to talk about Pitt, but I, I even last week I even said I, I said I, I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win. So you, you can't say I, I doubted you because I, I I said I my exact words were I cannot bet against Patrick freaking Mahomes. So yeah, you can't call, you can't tell me that I'm a hater or X Y Z. It's just ridiculous. And I just said you're better than Gronk too. But here's the thing. I guess Andy Reid just doesn't have them go on social media. That's just probably what it is. Wait, I want to say one more thing about that. So, though, Andy Reid. So, Eric Bieniemy. I guess the Commanders are going to hire him to be their OC. I think that's ridiculous. Um, 
I understand the NFL has an issue with uh, hiring uh, minority head coaches. I, I'm well aware of that. But um, the fact that he has to prove himself again, even though he's with Kansas City, why, I, I understand why he's doing it, why he's leaving the Chiefs. But at the same time, why are you leaving the Chiefs? Like, you're literally down. It's, it's literally a downgrade of a position. No matter how much Andy Reid actually ran the offense, you know, what people like want to throw out there. But I just think, like, he should have been hired already. It's been five years. He's been the coordinator for the Chiefs. Um, you know, I don't know about his past history. I really don't care about that. Um, I, I just think he should have been hired, and it's just ridiculous that he has to go go to the commanders now. And if it blows up in his face, he's screwed. So I, I just think that he, he's, regardless, you know, I hope he does well in Washington. But, I mean, the quarterback uh, rotation there is just significantly worse, and that's being very kind. So, you know, I, I hope – I wish him nothing but the best in Washington, but I just think, honestly, I, I'd rather be an O.C., in Kansas City, you know, you know you'll have the best quarterback. And, like, you know, I, I just think Andy Reid, too, talking about retiring. And I feel like if he retired here pretty soon, the enemy, in theory, you'd like to think he'd be, like, the front runner for the uh, head coaching position. But what do I know? I don't know. But that's all. That, that was my TED Talk. So, Yeah, no, it's definitely a downgrade. And I just, oh, no, I, I, I agree. <laughs> Pretty much agree. I don't really have too much of a comment other than that yeah. on it, honestly. So I mean, we, we can just move on. That's honestly. enough Chiefs talk. We, you want? We talk about I, Chiefs more than the freaking Steelers. We're in Pittsburgh. With, here's the thing with the Chiefs. I like Mahomes. I'm just gonna be honest. I am a fan of Mahomes, and uh, you know, I just, I don't know what it is though. It's just like I don't like talking about the Chiefs too much, but at the same time, like Mahomes is that guy. The team is that team, but that kind of like. Upset me saying that, like, no one expect them to win. You could go back on the podcast. I definitely did, like, say that they were going to go down slightly this year. I'd be lying if I didn't. But I also said that I'm on previous podcasts that the Bills were going to win. But it was more of because of, like, I wanted a happy ending. I said that she, I still have think the Chiefs, though. And even last week, I just said the Eagles because they've been the best team all year. But, you know... And honestly, the Eagles could have won last year, last week. So, I don't know. It was thirty-eight, thirty-five. Um, I everyone on Twitter is talking about the hold call. We're not. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about the hold call because I'm already getting tired of it and stuff. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, yeah, I, I here. Here's why I've I've come to the conclusion. Listen, NFL officiating is terrible. Like we all, everyone knows that. But like, it was the correct call. And I understand. Like, oh, it came at the worst time. I'll give you that. But at the same time, even Bradbury after the game admitted that he committed a penalty. So that that right there, that's just case closed. So that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Well, we're here, at, and I, like I said, I'm not going to talk about it, but here at the 27-minute mark, I have another quick hitter for you. Juju Smith-Schuster, A.J. Brown. <sighs> Juju, uh, what, what, what did it say? It said... Um, Happy Valentine's Day, and then it just I'll added, hold you when it matters yeah. the most. Ah, oh, gosh. That was kind of funny. You know, listen, funny. I know people were get, got salty over that. I think I just think it's funny, honestly. Mm-hmm. I really do. Like, and that's one of the. I don't want to spend the whole episode on the Chiefs, but like one more thing. Like, people hate Juju so much. There's a, there's a lot of guys in the NFL and just in, in life and forget sports, politics, whatever you can think of. There is a lot more worse people in the world than Juju Smith Schuster. And I just think people people on Twitter that have not don't have really anything better to do than just just complain about everything. I think they have too much time on their hands, and then maybe they just need to, you know, 
focus on their family. How about that? Get Log off social media for a couple hours. You know, do something productive. So, thanks. And I do want to add, too, I think that A.J. Brown commenting – the, the whole entire thing about Juju, and he wasn't out of out of he was out of the way. He, he was hurt. He's he got tw- hurt. He's twenty five years old. Like seriously, come on. He got like, hurt by someone that would probably lock you up in Simmons. So I mean, but here's the thing. Like I just, uh, I don't know. It just, I, I just thought it was just kind of uncalled for. Like Juju, I'm fine with him tweeting that. That was great. I just don't get why he's so harsh. Like Juju's like. Wow, you got that off your chest. Shannon Sharp said something. He should have went back at him. He won the Super Bowl. He was the reason for that last call. I mean, Juju had a good game. He had how many receptions for like 70-something yards. He had a good year. His last year before he got hurt, it wasn't as good as as the year when they had A.B., but he still was good that year too. I just, I don't know, that kind of annoyed me. A.J. Brown, you're a great, great wide receiver, okay? I mean, you don't need to like comment on that right now. It just—I just thought it was unnecessary. How about you just go back out there and beat them next year, or you know, just prove it next year instead of, you know, just knocking someone like. I don't know. That's just my thought on it. I think it's a waste of time and stuff like that. No, I I agree. I I I do want to talk about pit basketball though. But one more thing I I will say about that is though, like Juju. Well, I didn't mention that he he didn't have Antonio Brown and you know X Y and Z. Ben Roethlisberger also was on the decline too, and like so, like that also had a big part in the way they utilized him. They they kind of didn't use him the right way towards the end there as well, and not to mention the fact that he, he one year he was hurt, like you said, no, he was hurt two years. He was hurt most of 2019 or half half of 2019, and then you know 2021 he's pretty much gone the entire year. So you know, and then when he played 2019, he had freaking Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph throwing to him. So. I mean, come on. Come on, guys. There's going to be a drop-off when you have those quarterbacks thrown to you. But I digress. And here's the thing, like, to to say he's on his way out was kind of stupid because the Chiefs literally signed him. The team with the best quarterback in the league signed him and planned on him being their number one guy. So I don't know how, like, the best team in the league that won the Super Bowl would sign someone who's on their way out to be their number one guy. I just I don't know. That's just kind of confusing. No, it's fine. And by the way, Mahomes didn't resurrect his career. Like his career was fine. It just he just didn't play, and like he was just he just wasn't being used right. That that's really what it came down to. And he he, he and he's very reliable. He catches everything that's thrown to him too. He had like over seventy percent complete uh, catch percentage this year. So you know this whole notion that he's that he's a terrible receiver and like X Y and Z. I've just never understood that. And like it just goes back to like. Russell Wilson, like people hate him because he's a Christian and all that, because he sounds kind of corny. It's just you just hate guys for the stupidest reasons. And like, meanwhile, there's guys X, Y, and Z doing terrible things, and we just kind of uh, bad an eye. So you know that that's how it is in society. Not to get like too too serious, but we can go to pit basketball. And I do want to add one more okay. thing too. Like Juju could have very easily said, "Well, I was on my way out, but you were on your way out of Tennessee as well." Like they literally traded him for a first round pick. Here's the thing. I, I thought it was a dumb move by the Titans. A.J. Brown had a great year, but, like, let's not act like, you know, b- both your guys' career have been spotless. Because at Ole Miss, you're there, his year there, like, they weren't even allowed to be in a bowl game because of everything going on with Ole Miss. Shea Patterson ended up having to go to Michigan. And last year he got traded, too. So, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. It's just – I. I like I I like AJ Brown as a wide receiver. I think he's a great player, and I think he's better than Juju Smith-Schuster as a wide receiver. But I just thought like that was so low to me, and it was just a, a harmless joke. Honestly, it was pretty funny. I'm I'm sure Eagles players probably thought it was 
Bradbury probably even fought, got a laugh out of it too. So I don't know. I just I thought the whole situation was kind of stupid. No, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think we we pretty much like you beat the heck out of that one though. So I mean, we we can move on to the pit basketball if you want to. We did beat the heck out of it, but we can. Oh, uh, let's beat the heck out of this one too. Why why is Pitt not ranked right? Uh, because everyone hates Pitt. That's why. Yeah, it's just like listen to these wins. Okay. So Miami, you beat the number twenty Miami, you beat Virginia, who's now in the top five. You beat them. They only have four losses on the year. You beat at NC State. You win at NC State. They're ranked right now, and that was their only home loss. You beat North Carolina two times. You beat Northwestern on the road by twenty nine points. Northwestern on the road by twenty nine points. And you have just as good as wins as them. And they beat Purdue, and now all of a sudden they have more votes than Pitt. I don't know. It's just a little annoying to me. But, I mean, honestly, it just – Pitt should be ranked. Here's another stat, too. Seven road wins. There are only two Power 5 conference teams that have seven road wins. That's UCLA and Alabama, both in the top ten. You also have San Diego State and Houston, who also have seven-plus road wins. Houston – Top 10. San Diego State, top 25. Ford Atlantic's another team. Seven-plus road wins. Top 25. It just, it's mind-boggling to me that you could compare Pitt and their schedule to these teams. I mean, they started off the season 1-3. and three. If you take away that 1-3 that, that and three start, this team only has four losses. They only have three losses in the new year. They're on like a seven-game win streak right now. And I don't know. It just... It's just mind-boggling, and I know what it is. They projected them to be 14th in the ACC. They're doing good now. They're 12-3 and in the top of the conference, and you got teams ranked 4th. you got teams ranked 15th in Miami. you got Clemson, who wasn't ranked too long ago, who's at the top of the standings, too. You have NC State, who's ranked, who you beat. Pitt beat NC State, and they're ranked ahead of them. It just It's mind-boggling. No, I mean, we, we kind of talked about it in depth, like, off the air, but I, I said, like, it just the fact that they're not even like ranked is kind of embarrassing, honestly. And I, I told you this. I'm gonna say it on the podcast too. Like at the end of the day, while like rankings matter more so in college football because you know playoff seating, um, but they don't really matter as much in basketball. And like you know, that's not to say that Pitt shouldn't be. They should be ranked. Like that's not even up for discussion at this point. Like what else do they have to prove, man? Like what do they have to the win win out and the win the conference tournament too? Like like guys, come on. Like this isn't rocket science. You know they're playing well. Just admit you were wrong. You made a mistake. They outplayed, quote-unquote, your expectations. And they're a tournament team. Like, it's like I just don't understand the respect. You even have these guys that make all these bracketology stuff. They're like, why is Pitt not ranked? Even fans that hate Pitt are like, why is Pitt not ranked? Like, this isn't rocket science. Just rank Pitt. Like, no, no, one, no one's saying that they should be number one. But the fact that they they are right now they are one of the best twenty five teams in college basketball, and that that is a fact. That is not an opinion. That is fact. So I you know I Jeff Capel you know he's also gotten a lot of crap too over the years, and I was actually like a, a defender of his even going back to when they hired him because like he had a good track record. He hired I mean he recruited Blake Griffin at, at NBA future NBA Hall of Famer most likely. So I mean listen, like he he you know he's been around Duke. He played at Duke. He was an assistant coach there as well. So he knows a lot, he has a lot of connections. Um can get players. He got he got well, a lot of good transfers this past year. Um listen, Pitt was, you know, they were in the basement for a long time, man. And the whole 
uh, Ke- Kevin Stallings thing. Like that, that you see with Louisville right now, they're, they're you know they're going through a similar situation in their own right. Like that takes a long time to like get out of, and like people, oh, he should be fired, fire him. Like okay, if you fire him, you're gonna lose all the recruits he's gotten, and then guys are probably gonna transfer too on the team, and then you're gonna start, you're basically starting from scratch again with a new coach. So you know, for everyone that likes to fire coaches because their team's not playing well. You know that 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 that's just the, that's the, once again that's the mindset we're in in society. When things aren't going your way for a year or two, let's fire a coach. Let's fire this person. Let's get rid of, the, rid of this person. And you're seeing right now, you're seeing what happens when you just like stand your ground and weather the storm. Now Pitt's actually a tournament team again, and you know if they could you know do some damage in the tournament, they might be like a fixture from here on out. Not to mention the transfer portal as well. So. Put some respect on Jeff Capel's name because I know there's a lot of people out there, Pitt fans too, that wanted him fired. And I want and I want to add too. We talked about this on the po- one of our first podcasts. We did, and we both kind of came to the agreement that you need to give him more time. And and one of my points was, look who he's recruited. Honestly, this team this this might be a hot take, but this they should have been a tournament team in 2019 or 2020, one of those years. And I can explain to you why. Xavier Johnson, he's at Indiana, top 15 team. He's hurt right now, but look how good of a player he's turned into. Yeah, Trey McGrowans, a really good player. Justin Champagny, he's in the NBA. Audis Tony played for Arkansas, a top 20 team, had a good run in the tournament last year. Three of those players, all, all, all four of those players left. Three of them left at the same time, in Johnson, in Tony, and in McGowan's. Thing is, you lost all those players. Imagine if they would have had all four of those players, and then you add John Hughley onto the team. I mean, let, let's get real. That would have been last. They would have had all those players last year, and, and instead he had to rebuild again because they all transferred out. But look what he did. He went into the grad transfer portal. He picked up Blake Henson from Iowa State. He picked up a player like Greg Elliott, who they needed a shooter. He could shoot the lights out. You got a legitimate point guard in Nelly Cummings. He played. He's from Midland. He played at Lincoln Park. Etc. Good player. Went to Bowling Green, Colgate. Colgate, a team that is is a fixture in the uh, in the what's it called tournament in, in the tournament. Yeah, as a, they're a lower seed, but like he he has that experience. You have an experienced team, and the thing is, like they always talk about one. To your point, it's fire coaches, fire coaches, fire coaches, and they just pound it into your head and. I, I know I just gave them crap for uh, – so they beat Purdue this year. Northwestern's a really good basketball team. They're 19-7 and seven right now. Chris Collins is another, is another head coach that, oh, he's constantly on the hot seat. Hey, you know, they'll be the occasional 9 or 8 seed, but, oh, they're not the team. Listen, Pitt and Northwestern have every right to be ranked right now, period. I'm just saying Pitt, though, did beat Northwestern by almost 30 points, and they've, they've just been winning the games they've needed to win. And I just, I don't know. Congrats to, like, Jeff Capel and this team. They just need to keep going now. Uh, and here's the thing, what, what sucks is, like, now if you lose to Virginia Tech tonight, which I think Pitt could beat them, but they're an underdog tonight. So, I mean, it just, I don't know. It just sucks that one loss will now all of a sudden get all their votes away. Meanwhile, they've beaten Virginia. They only have three losses in two months. Like, it just, it's it's annoying. You know, uh, so there's two things I'll say. So the first one is, you mentioned John Hughley. He's barely played this year. Oh, he's, and he, he, and he he's was out supposed, the rest of the season. He's supposed, to be, he's supposed to be the best player this year. So the fact that you had guys 
that Joey are playing. Johnson too. The guy, oh, I forgot he was a big recruit last year. So those are two guys you, you you that were supposed to be your best players, and you're playing this well without them. Imagine if you when you get those guys back next year, and you, so you're gonna you're always gonna be young, you know, and then you, you're gonna have a chance to go back and out in the transfer portal and get guys again. Like this is a team that could like really start to uh, you know turn the wheels here and be like a consistent NCAA tournament fixture if things go right. So. I'm I'm just saying, like, and then that too. I forget my second point, but it, I'm sure it had something to do with Jeff Capel, and like, it's just like you know, we see it with coaches with Mike Tomlin too. It's like, uh, because we're not winning a Super Bowl every other year, it's like, oh, he has to be fired or fire this guy, fire X, Y, and Z, and then like, I, you know, it's just, and that's another argument. I don't want to go so- sideways, but like, another criticism I've heard a lot recently of Tomlin is. He never has, like, a coaching tree of guys that are, like, successful head coaches. But my argument to that would be, look at the head coaches around the NFL. A lot of those guys, excuse me, are, like, recycled. They've coached before. So this whole notion that, like, it's just like, oh, you have to have guys under your tree all the time. Like, that's just not really accurate because a lot of these guys, they know each other in some capacity. There's there's connections. So that, that's why they get hired again. If, if you really think about it, the NFL is really – comprised of guys who've had past head coaching jobs a lot of candidates really aren't that new very few of them They're, it's just like a recycle it's like basketball too just just recycled guys get fired here and there and then they're they're recycled again oh hockey too like, I, like bruce boudreau barry stotts like uh, peter laviolette for god he's been, he's been on four on, teams like, he's been on more teams than his smith like come on at this like, at this point like yes yeah, so like yeah i say all that to say that like once again you have to like give some coaches in the case of Jeff Capel, too, you know, he was dealt a really bad hand at Pitt. They, they were just coming off winning no conference games the year before. And you just think he's going to come in here and then going to be a tournament team in two years. That's just so unrealistic. And, you know, I understand it, it took a long time, but that, that's just part of the reality, man. And, you know, Pitt, we're finally getting to that point now where hopefully people take him more seriously from here on out because, like, like they deserve all the all the praise they're getting now, but okay. My second point popped in my head now. So my thing was Pitt's done really well being the underdog. We talked about Kansas City thinking they're the underdogs. Pitt, I think, in 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 a, in a, in a cruel twisted sense, I want Pitt, Pitt to remain unranked because if that means they'll stay focused and keep playing well and keep having that mentality, I think that would serve them well. But you know, at the same time, like they should be ranked. Like that's that's not really what I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is I think Pitts thrived a lot this year. They've had a lot of adversity. They were trailing against Virginia for a lot of that game. I mean, they, they could have – those North Carolina games were 50-50 as well. So they have adversity on their side. They know what it takes to win games, close games especially. So, you know, Pitt, they've, they've just been clutch all year, honestly. And um, it's really been fun to watch. I know, like, I, I've been labeled a lot of things about Pitt. And I'm a Pitt hater. I'm a Pitt this. But, like, I <laughs> – I, at the end of the day, I really want Pitt football and basketball to succeed because those, in the reality, college sports, those are the two most profitable sports, football and basketball. And if your team is good and you get fans to go to the game, that brings a lot of money into your school and that makes a lot of people happy. So, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. I had a point that I was, oh, yeah. I just feel like ever since Pitt joined the ACC, though, they've kind of been like, they went from Big East powerhouse and, like, they've been kind of just treated as, like, an underdog of the ACC. Even that you see it this year. But I want to bring up another example. They moved to the ACC 2012-13. They got really unlo- unlucky. Let, let's get real. I mean, they, they drew Wichita State. 
and they ended up going on that with Final Clean, four. Yeah, Clean Anthony Early and Ron Baker. And then, you know, so that was like they had Steven Adams that year yeah. and they had Tlaib Zana. Was that Steve? Was that the year? Twelve thirteen, yeah. That was the Wichita State year. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they had like uh, I think it was like Trey Woodall. It may have been Woodall's last year, but then you had thirteen fourteen too. So I'm I'm just like this is now they're in the ACC, and I remember saying they were they were a nine seed in that tournament, and mind you, they are coming off an ACC tournament. Where they beat a really good North Carolina team, you know, like like a number four team in the ACC North Carolina team, solid team. You beat this team, and Tlaib Zana has twenty six and twenty three in that game, and you get ranked as a nine seed, and then you go out there and you beat Colorado with Spencer Dinwiddie by thirty eight points in the tournament. As a nine seed over an eight. And then you get uh, Florida. And then you get Florida. Yeah. No, that's, no, no that's, they were, they were so Talk about poor seeding, right? But, like, like you mentioned just, that. So, poor seeding. So, you mentioned a, a lot of the brackets have pit as an eight or a nine seed right now. And a lot of them, I think Purdue would be the one seed. Now, I will say this. Purdue, they just lost to Northwestern, so anything's possible. But that would be a really bad matchup. Let's say Pitt wins their first game. Like you have to go against Edie, really. That that's well, they don't have. Well, you're right about that because they, I don't think they match up great against them because Edie is seven. He's four. seven foot and like Federico. I mean <sighs> Federico. Federico. He was not supposed to be the starting center. Yeah. I know he's not done terrible, but their strong suit is their their weakest part is their interior defense. Honestly, yeah, and like not to say that they couldn't be Purdue if you catch them on an off night. I mean that's that's why March Madness is March Madness. But it's just like like pitch. They they need to be if they keep winning, they should be higher than an eighth seed. But like I don't know, I just I just think the disrespect's ridiculous and like it's just really, and I'm, I'm not even like a super fan, but like I, I it's kind of really annoying now. Honestly, it's it's not even funny. Like and then maybe that's me being like petty, but like that's just it's just annoying. Really, uh, they just they need, they need respect and just it just goes back to people so called experts. Oh well, Pitt's gonna be sucky this year, and four, they're gonna finish 14th out of 15th in the ACC conference. And now that they're number one in the whole conference. We're gonna nitpick every little thing they've done wrong so far. Oh, you lost to Vanderbilt. Oh, you lost to Michigan early in the year. They're not even ranked. Well, listen, it's not about how you start; it's how you finish. And right now, they're finishing pretty strong. So put some respect on their names, y'all, man. Seriously. And another thing too is like. They always say, oh, ACC is down. But the past two years, who's been in the Elite Eight? It's ACC teams. And, like, Miami, case in point. Everyone, if you watch Miami play, that team was not a 10 seed last year. They went in there and went into the Elite Eight. So it's just like, it's one of the, and and Pitt beat beat Miami this year. So, like, but my my point exactly is, oh, it's ACC's this, ACC's that. Meanwhile, I would mentioned the Pitt beating Northwestern. ACC beat the Big Ten in their conference. Listen, SEC, that's a great conference right now. That stacks up with the ACC. Big 12, if you look at the Big 12 and how they've done against non-conference, probably the best conference. But the ACC is right up there with any conference in the league. It's not down. I mean, case in point, look at the conference records. Look at the amount of teams. Uh, Well over half the the league is under 10 losses, and I understand that there's Louisville at the bottom and Georgia Tech and stuff at the bottom, but Georgia Tech can put up fights against teams whenever they need to. I mean, there's not – other than Louisville 
And then Florida State is having a down year. There's not a lot of teams in the conference that are just flat out bad. It's a deep conference, and it just, I don't know. That's just my thought on it. Yeah. No, it's up. I'll, I'll read them. So Virginia's 20 and 4. You have Pitt 19 and 7. You have Miami at 21 and 5. You have Clemson at 19 and 7. NC State at 20 and 7. You have Duke at 18 and 8. Wake Forest at 17 and 9. Even Syracuse at 16 and 10. Uh, UNC at 16 and 10 as well. So, like, I mean, that's like, what, six? That's nine teams. So you have nine good to solid teams in that conference. And, like, you know, it, it's just ridiculous. And by the way, Pitt has the best away record in the whole conference, by the way. It's better than Virginia, better than Miami, better than Clemson, better than Duke. Duke's has terrible road record. They're two and six. So I mean, I mean, listen, it's it's just it's just we we've outlined the past ten minutes where we've been talking. Duke was ranked over Pitt at a point. Yes, and North Carolina was the prohibited number one preseason number one team in the country, and that's I'm not disrespecting them. It's just like they're a good team still, but it's just it's not that they're bad. It's just like. There's a lot of good teams, and even Syracuse, I they've had a solid year. Wake Forest, seventeen and not Duke's, you know, down year, but it's still a good year. NC State, twenty and seven. Clemson, you know, ha- ha- having a good year so far, nineteen and seven. Virginia, you know, they're Virginia. They're they're a good program. So it, it's just Pitts just had a good year too. So that's that's all we're saying. Like all we're saying is just put respect on Pitts' name. That's that's all I'm saying. It's really not that hard. Really not that hard at all. But then, like, you'll people will give UNC and Duke crap, but then you look at their non-conference record. Like, Duke's 8-2 and two non-conference, and look at their non-conference schedule. UNC, uh, yes, they lost games. That, they're having a very bad season for what they were supposed to have. But if you look, they're 8-3 eight, they're eight and three non-conference. That's still a good non-conference record. I mean, if you look at the non-conference records – I mean, Pitt actually probably has, like, one of the lesser non-conference records, but even they had a winning non-conference record. So it's just, like, the team has been playing good outside of conferences. They prove it every single year in the tournament. It's just that, I mean, everyone thought, oh, Arizona's going to win. Or Gonzaga's. Gonzaga's <laughs> another team this year. Like, they're still ranked. Meanwhile, they're, they're like, they're, they're 13th. And haven't they had yeah. like a couple pretty bad losses? And they lost, like, San Francisco and, like, if that was Pitt, they would they would have been not they ranked. To, they lost to Loyola Marymount. Uh, how are you still ranked? If, if because the, because their name. Well, is okay. Well, I I know why they're still ranked, but I'm saying if that was Pitt, if you had two not like, unranked teams, you'd have been out of the standings, and you probably wouldn't have gotten back the entire year. Like it, that, that's still another issue too. It's just like there's always a double standard. Well, no, not even so much. It's it's that blue blood programs they get the benefit of the benefit of the doubt. So if they screw up. Or if they have a really bad loss, they're not going to get penalized as, as much as a team that maybe the media or coaches don't really respect as much. They have a lot less wiggle wiggle room, and that's what we're seeing with Pitt. So if Pitt screws up, they're screwed. And but if like Duke or I don't know, let's say Alabama or Houston and any Big Ten team, if they have a really bad loss, they might drop two or three spots. But like, gosh forbid, if Pitt's ranked fifteenth. And they lose to I don't know Wake Forest or Louisville. They're not ranked, so it's there's just a double standard. It's not just basketball; it's football as well. So I don't know. Yeah, they lost to Loyola Marymount and St. Mary's. I look St. Mary's is a good team, but Loyola Marymount, uh, and then they just beat Loyola Mar- Marymount their second time by a lot. But they, they lost them the first time, and I just like yeah, in conference play too. Like they're eleven and two in their conference, but they're still a top fifteen team. It just in that conference, 
I, I just oh, don't... it's not even. Come on. I, I was watching um San Francisco the other night. I think they were playing. Yeah, San Francisco and St. Mary's a couple weeks ago. Oh gosh. And like you saw it last year, Indiana went out there and roughed up St. Mary's. So or wait, who won that? I think I could be wrong. I don't. I'm I pretty sure remember. Indiana won that with Xavier Johnson and stuff. But yeah, no, that's just my opinion on it. So. No, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know if you had anything else for this podcast, but we've been on for 50 minutes, man. So, I mean, if you have anything else you want to add. Oh, I was wrong. St. Mary's was the one who roughed up Indiana. Correction. But like I said, St. Mary's is a good team. I did want to correct myself okay. before we left. But uh, I did have um, just ideas on what we could do, like predicting like a best team to win out of the NCAA. But instead, I'll just do a quick little rundown. Kansas has a – I think they have a really good shot with Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick. Um, Alabama, Brandon Miller's been great. Just need to make sure they have enough depth. I think I think they have a chance. Purdue's good. They have 80. I don't know if they have enough depth to make it all the way through the tournament. Houston has incredibly score, incredible in scoring and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, Kansas, I think, would be up there. Houston looks really good. Texas, even though they lost their head coach, they're an older team, so you always got to kind of give the edge to older teams. But my sleeper team, this one might catch you. Is uh, Kansas State. I think Kansas State has a chance to make a run. They only have six losses this year. Uh, they're right at the top of the Big 12. But the main reason is because you have a really solid guard. You have a really solid forward. You have a little bit of both there. Both are averaging. So Keontae Johnson averaging 17 points a game. He was transferred from Florida. Marquise Noel, he's been there for a while. He's averaging 16 points a game, 16 or 17 points a game. Listen, if you have two studs like that, and you also have some good secondary scoring as well, some good third options, the fourth option. I mean, you have a lot. You have like four or five players averaging over ten points a game. Team scores a lot of points. Defense is pretty solid. Um, they've beat Kansas this year already. Team's good. Only six losses. Most of the losses are coming in that brutal conference. I wouldn't be shocked if Kansas State could make a run for something. Like I said, I'm not going to say right now that they're going to win the tournament, but I think that they're a sleeper team. Fair enough, fair enough. Anything else you want to add? Because I, I got nothing else for you, bud. Yeah, that's, yeah. All right, I guess it's a good time to say, uh, do a wrap-up, though. But um, as always, uh, you can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, just search the Rosetti and Stewart podcast. Always a pleasure doing a podcast with you every uh, weekend here in a barren Pittsburgh media up though, but appreciate it. Well, likewise, man. Likewise to you. It's always a pleasure coming on here, talking sports. Um, we're, we're, we're also looking to have a couple more guests. on. Oh too. yeah. Speaking of that. So I know Tony has his guest. I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking to three people, pretty prominent. Well, two prominent in the Pittsburgh media. One's more of a national guy, but, uh, you know, it, it's all, it's kind of tough, man. They're, they're, they have very busy schedules. So, we're just kind of going back and forth right now, trying to find dates that work for them. So it's kind of difficult. So those might not be for a while. But I know Tony has a lot of high school, uh, college guys, connections. They're easier to get. So we'll probably have more of those guys on here in the for, for, uh, foreseeable future. Uh, we were talking a couple of days ago about that. So, you know, I do I do like to have people that, like, professional people in the industry that on too i think that's definitely a plus but there's nothing wrong with having high school athletes on either i mean that's that that, that that's a plus in its own right as well so you know look for more guests in the future we're definitely gonna have a lot more i'm also gonna start talking to other other people for uh, guest spots as well too not just the three i mentioned so stay tuned for that though but for antonio rosetti i'm justin stewart you've been listening to the rosetti stewart podcast um we'll do it again here pretty soon uh have a great rest of your day everyone